This morning is, is one of our traditions at Village. It's Vision Sunday. And we start out the year by talking about vision and going back to our vision statement and our core values. And we do this as a way not just to fill a Sunday, but as a reminder to ourselves to keep us on track. When we think about um, coming back to some of the things that are our foundation that should control what we do, we want to constantly be remembering those things. And so as we come back to our core values and vision statement, one of the things that protects against is drift. Because as we remind ourselves each year of what we believe God wants us to be about, it helps us notice if we've swayed off. You know, sort of like when you're looking at your cell phone in the car while you're driving, and you wake up and you're in the other lane, or you look up and you're in the... We don't want that. So on Vision Sunday, we... um, We want to make sure we're staying on track. We want to talk about what God has for us at Village. Does this ministry or activity fit our core values? It refreshes that. It also keeps us from losing heart. Sometimes as ministries go on, we can we can suddenly say, why are we still doing this? And it can just become routine and and just a, a habit. But we need to remind ourselves of why we do it. Why do we do nursery? Well, that one's pretty obvious. But why do we do things like Second Harvest? was to reach out to our community and open doors and make bridges for further evangelism. And so as we remind ourselves why we do things, that encourages us to keep going, to, to move forward. Also, I know that we have a number of new people this year. And so Vision Sunday gives us a chance to remind ourselves and to, to say this is what we're about and this is where we're going. And so we're going to talk about some of our core values. We're going to talk about our vision statement. But a lot of the time is talking about our direction for the year. And and I know some of you get real excited when I say that and you already have your apps out and you're ready with your calendar to put down 12 months of dates of activities. Just put it away. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about direction this morning. Think heart. Think what is the spiritual heart for our congregation? What spiritual direction are we going? as I've talked with the the elders and the pastors, and we've reflected on what is God doing and what might God want to do with us this year. Today's about sharing our hearts with you, of where we see God leading us, where we see maybe some little things we can work on, you know, a little checkup and say, okay, let's let's try to really focus on this and expand this. And, And so that's what today is going to be about. On the back of your notes, you see our vision statement and our commitments that come out of that. You see our core values. That is how we put the vision statement into practice. And we'll be referring to those from time to time. And if you look at the vision statement, it's building Christ-focused families that disciple their community for Him. And that's who we are. We want to build up a family. And and we are a, a church family that is building up families to disciple our circles of influence. When I, if, if I expand that and put it sort of in, in our own words or in a different way, we want to be a family of vibrant, growing disciples that are building Christ-focused families and are in turn discipling the people in our circles or our communities to follow Jesus. Basically, so we want to build you up to be disciples so you can go make disciples. If we had to narrow it down. That's what we want to be about. And on our wall, we have four core values, and these are, are how we want to do it. These are things that we know God's Word teaches the church should be about. We know that every one of these are commanded in Scripture, and so as a church, we should be doing all of these. And we've arranged them in an order of how discipleship often happens, and it starts with outreach. 
And not only do we at some point hear the Word of God and we hear the Gospel, but we should be reaching out to others and sharing the Gospel, going to all people. And so one of our core values is to be sharing God's Word, to be reaching our our neighborhood and our world for Christ. The second core value you see there is community. And we know that God has called us. We're going to talk about this one a lot today. God has called us into a community of believers, His holy church. And He's made a community that is far more than just a a set of 200 casual acquaintances that we see for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. He has planned something entirely different and entirely better for His church. And so He calls us to be committed to community and to be part of community, to be bringing others into community. The third core value you see on the wall and on the back of your notes is spiritual growth. The church exists to make disciples. And and to do that, we are helping each other grow spiritually. And that will always be the heart of what we do at Village. It's spiritual growth. The study of God's Word. Digging deeper into God's Word. Making sure we are well-grounded and well-loved by God, but loving God in amazing ways. The fourth core value you see there is ministry. See, all of the discipleship and all of the spiritual growth isn't just about me and feeling really smart and really good. It's always about us then being part of God's kingdom, being His hands and feet and doing His work. And so ministry is saying, I'm going to use the gifts God gave me, I'm going to use the talents God gave me, the opportunities He gives me, and I'm going to serve God any way I can. And every believer should be about these four things. And if every believer is about these four things, then his church must be about these four things. This morning, though, we want to, and and each year we take these as our base and, and we focus on different aspects of it. Last year, we talked about love God, love others. And we looked at the commands that Jesus said that those two commands summarize every other command in Scripture. And hopefully this year, as we've talked about that off and on and, and in different series, you've seen that every command can go back to does this love God, does this love others? And it's, it's just simple. We put it up in our, our breezeway there to remind ourselves. This coming year, and, and, and we, we spent a lot of time digging into the love God part of that this last year. This coming year, we want to really dive deep into the love others part. What does that mean? What does that look like for a community of believers? What does that look like with 200 very, very different people of all ages from, from little babies? that are still singing and we love that to all the way to those that have so much wisdom that we need to raise those little babies, to make disciples. We are a diverse congregation and it is awesome. So how do we do that? How do we come together? And I, I've titled this morning, As Family We Go. And, and I'll, just, I'll just, I need to say this, I'm shamelessly stealing that from Rin Collective. For those of you that like Rind Collective, it's one of their album titles. But it is so perfect for what we want to talk about this year as family we go. And the idea is we are a church family as we go and do God's work. As we do each of these four things, as we do outreach, as we build community, as we um, grow spiritually, as we do ministry, we are a family, a church family. And God has very intentionally brought us together to be a family so that we're not doing this alone. We're not having to figure out how to walk with God alone. We're not having to figure out how to minister alone. And so I love the fact that we're so diverse. 
that we have people that have been here 40 years and we have people that have been here four weeks. That is awesome. But what it takes for us to be that kind of diverse, beautiful congregation is intentional commitment to family. If we aren't intentionally committed to church family, it falls apart into little groups and isolate. Because we we tend to to go into groups of our own type. And and so we we go into groups of of people that are like us. But as family, we want to be different. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about as family we go. And some of this is just sort of me talking, sharing my heart, what what I hope for Village this year. What I hope that we, we do for, for, as a family, that my, my hope is that we're grabbing people and drawing them into the family, pinning them to the wall and saying, you are, you are part of us. Okay, maybe not that extreme. But what does that look like? So I want to explore some things. We've explored this before. Nothing today is going to be new again. Vision Sunday is often about reminding ourselves of things. But... We need to be reminded constantly that we are family, especially this time of year. Just been through the holidays, right? Nobody had a busy December. No, it's breakneck speed. And finally this week, Susie and I felt like we stopped long enough to even realize that it was January. And and we're just trying, sometimes you just feel like you're hanging on, right? And and, and hoping that, that you get through the holidays. One of the things that, that characterizes holidays is family. So I just want to ask a couple questions. Um, how many of you got together with extended family this Christmas, this holidays? The majority of you here. What is the best thing about family? Or some of the best things about family? Food. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> got it. Okay, good. I'm coming to your... No. <laughs> food, right? Table full of food. It's awesome. Hugs. Yeah. Love the, 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 the endearment. Children. Yeah, seeing children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. How many of you have great-grandchildren here? Is that the most amazing thing ever? Yeah. I don't, but that's what I'm told. <laughs> I'm, told. I, I'm getting excited about the grandparenting stage, and my kids are like, wait, hold, slow down. Debbie. History. Yeah, because you have a history together. So you have all this, this, these stories you draw from, these shared experiences. You can laugh about them. You can laugh at each other, at the, you know, whatever. But you're also making history. You're making new experiences. It's family. Tradition. Yeah, we all have family traditions, even those of you that say you don't. You, we, we have traditions, and that's part of getting together at Christmas. There's a certain comfort to being with family. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. One more. Working together. Isn't, isn't that special to see like five people working together in the kitchen? Getting along. Or, or it doesn't have to be in the kitchen, but anyway, getting along and fellowship. and it's, it's just a beautiful thing. If you have family here, you don't necessarily have to answer this one. Like this group. Just don't. <laughs> What's the hardest thing about family at Christmas time? <laughs> Disagreement. History comes up again. <laughs> We're just being real for a minute. I'm not trying to bag on your families. But, but yeah, the histories can come up. The, the, 
the hurts, the pains from the past that we're still trying to deal with. Going home afterwards, leaving them. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> They're annoying. Maybe we won't put this part on the podcast. We'll just some of your family members listen to the podcast. Debbie. Different expectations. That is very profound. Because we come to family situations with expectations. Conflict happens when we have different expectations, right? And then someone's expectations aren't met. One more. Missing the ones who aren't with you. A number of you have family members that are out of, out of the area now. And that is really hard. So, so I start with that because as we talk about church family, church family just isn't that different than the nuclear family, than physical family. It's just not that different. The same joys happen as we come together on Sunday morning or with different activities. And quite frankly, the same hardships. We, we sometimes hurt each other. Sheep sometimes bite each other. And, and, and then we're wounded and, and, and we have to patch those up. Sometimes there's histories that we have a hard time letting go of. But man, the hugs when we come together. And the joy of being together and working together for something. As we worked together on Living Nativity and man, over half of our congregation was part of that. The feeling at the end of that of working together and seeing so many people that heard the gospel, some of which we know had never heard it before, that was incredible. And that's the joy of family. And so we come with all this this. these expectations, all this baggage, all these ideas about family. And so sometimes when we say the church should be a family, your first response might be, oh, great. It was not a good Christmas. Some of you might be, oh, great. It was a great Christmas. We want to just go through some of the verses today and realize whatever our baggage we bring in, our expectations, our preconceived ideas of family, whatever those are, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus said we're a family and that the New Testament teaches that we're a family. And we talked about this a a couple of years ago when we were going through 1 Timothy. And and if you want to get some of the details of this, you can go back, listen to that sermon in 1 Timothy 5. The first part there, it's called We a Family, because that's what Alicia used to, to say when she was celebrating that she was part of our family. But just to summarize that, it, that dealt with our identity. That said the church isn't like a family, it is a family. We aren't just like a family, we are a family. And so the, the New Testament keeps pounding this idea of family in over and over and over. The New Testament uses words that represent a family relationship in the church over 300 times. Over 300 times. It is the most used symbol or or image of the church of any other image in the New Testament. And so we can't ignore that we're a family. Now, for us, that may not mean as much because family to us is is our our little family that lives in the house and we don't have all the family ties. Um, Sometimes do, sometimes don't. But for them, family meant so much more. In fact, as, as you look through history, and I was reading some of that again this week and remembering some of the things that I had studied before, as we, as we think of history, the bond between siblings was the strongest relational bond in New Testament times. The bond between siblings was stronger than any other bond. It was stronger than husband and wife. It was stronger than parent-child. It, it was stronger than friendship. It was the strongest bond. 
people would sacrifice their marriages for the sake of their siblings. Now, we don't get that because for us, our strongest relational bond in the family is the marriage, right? That's our Western culture. But we have to understand their culture based everything on bloodlines. And while you loved your spouse, they weren't your blood. And so the order sort of went, your siblings, your parents, your children, then your spouse. And and that informed everything they did. Now, we might think of that's nuts. That's because our worldview is different. We don't get it. But think in terms of when we read over and over in Scripture that it calls a fellow Christian a brother or a sister. That's not a light thing. For us, it's a light greeting. Hey, brother, how you doing? And, and Alex, you probably didn't even think of family when I said that. It's just a greeting, right? Something we say. For them to say, hey, brother, how you're doing, means you are the most important relationship in my life other than God. And so when we read those verses, when it says brothers do this, sisters do this, our eyes should go, oh, wow. God is creating a family here. He is creating bonds that don't exist in any other way. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. We're going to flip through a lot of verses today, but but let me show you an example of this. In Mark chapter 10, verse 29, some of the verses I'll have you turn to, some of them I'll read for you because we have a lot we're going through. But Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. If you don't have a Bible or or a Bible app, there's a black one under the, the seat right around you. And if you don't own a Bible, please take that as our gift to you. We want you to have God's Word because that is foundational to what we teach. So in Mark 10, 29 and 30, catch this. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution." And in the age to come, eternal life. Did you catch the order Jesus used here? What's first? Other than house. Brothers and sisters. He's speaking to their values and to their culture. And so when we, when we read the New Testament, we need to understand this group mindset and this strong group mindset. Your brother and sister was even more important than yourself. Your family was more important than yourself. I, I love that verse because he's saying that even if you have to leave your physical family now, even now it says you gain a brothers, brothers and sisters and mother and children. And, and we might say, well, we'll have that in eternity. But who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time? And Jesus is talking about the church. He's talking about the new relationships that He bought with His blood on the cross. Because His blood on the cross, when we repent, when we believe in Him, allows us to be children of God. And you've heard me say this a lot. If we're children of God, guess what? We're siblings. And siblings are to be the strong, committed bond more than anything else. And so if I call you brother, if I call you sister, I want that to mean something. Not just a casual statement, but it means you're my family. Not just like a family, you are my family. Listen to some of the other verses just to summarize our identity 
In Mark 3, 32, a familiar verse, a crowd was sitting around Jesus and they answered him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. And we see a redefinition of family to include those that are children of God. John 1.12, I already mentioned, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9-10, and think of brother-sister sibling relationship as you hear this. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. We urge, but we urge you brothers to do this more and more. Man, he's pounding the sibling thing in. He's pounding the family thing in. And saying, you are a family. A church family. God's family. And so in 1 Peter, we read, honor everyone, love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the emperor. Romans 8, 15 and 16, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so again, you can get more if you go back and listen to 1 Timothy 5, but we are a family. That is our identity. So today I want to move to, okay, what does that mean for us? What is the responsibility that flows from that identity? Because if if no responsibility flows from it, if no change of action flows from it, then I'm not really serious that you're my family. And so the responsibility is we relate to and care for each other as a family. We relate to and care for each other as a family. Our responsibilities to each other, it's not just church responsibilities, it's family responsibilities. Moms, dads, you ever do this at home? Your your kids say, well, why do I have to do that? Because you're part of a family. And this is what families do. But I don't want to empty the trash. I don't want to clean my room. I don't want to help with it. You're part of the family. And that means something. Well, village, you're part of family. Church family. That means something. Carries some responsibilities. And and so we want to start, uh, I want to go a couple places with this and just preview it for you so you know where we're going. The first is I want to ask, how does a family look? How should it act? What should a healthy family look like? And, And you can think both nuclear family or you can think church family because it's the same principles. And as we give a list of what church family looks like, you could take this list home and put it on your wall and say, this is what our family should look like. Because it goes both ways. And then secondly, I want to ask the question, how do we bring those, those actions into everything we do at Village? See, the, the danger with four core values is we can think of them as separate core values. Okay, we're going to do outreach this coming Saturday. We're going to do community when we have some family game nights starting up this February. We're going to do spiritual growth when we come and listen to Pastor Ron or go to Sunday school. We're going to do ministry when we come and serve in Awana. And we can compartmentalize these things, and they were never intended to be compartmentalized. All of them are true. All the time. As you help in Second Harvest, guess what? Community happens. Outreach happens. Ministry happens. And I would argue discipleship happens. As, as you help at Awana, 
Yes, it's ministry, but you're helping others grow spiritually. You are growing spiritually. There becomes community between you and the other people helping and Awana sharing the gospel. It's all four of those things. And so we, we, as we come to this idea of family and how do we put it into practice, I want to get away from the box and think of the whole wall to use our, our, our core value wall as an example. Our people of the word over here. So first question was, how should we act? How should a family act? What should community look like? Before I get there again, I want, I, I want to be interactive today. Give me one or two words of what you think should describe a healthy family or what a, a health, how a healthy family should act. Respect. Communication. Unconditional love. Encouragement. There was one I missed. Understanding. Thank you. Servant leadership. United. Giving grace. Amen. Common purpose. Discipline. Nurturing. I'll just tell you right up front, we're not doing all these today. (laughs) Isn't that a great list already, though? This is what we think of when we think of healthy families. Every one of the things on this list make a healthy church family, too. When we respect each other. When we communicate well with each other and not in harsh and harmful ways. When we show unconditional love to each other when we intentionally go out of our way to encourage each other, when we seek to understand each other before being heard, when we lead as servants rather than dictators, when we're united together, when we have a common purpose together to serve our our King, when we can give grace and forgive each other. Discipline needs to happen. Correction needs to happen. God's Word serves as our foundation for that. And nurturing helps make disciples and helps each other grow. Well, there, that, that'll preach right there. I'm going to list eight things. Some of them are in your list. Some of them aren't. This is not an all-inclusive list. As I was just looking up Scripture on brothers and sisters and household and family, I'm like, okay, I could have a list 15 or 20 uh, of marks of a healthy church family. But I narrowed it down to eight, which you're like, oh, great. You could have narrowed it down a little further. But... But I want to go through these pretty quickly. I want to start, though, by saying, what are we countering? Because when we start to talk about church family, when we start to talk about the priority of the group, the importance of the group, we are countering something in society. Fair enough? What are we countering? An individualistic mindset, right? A self-mindset. In your notes, I call it radical individualism. Radical individualism. Or I might call it controlling individualism. Because we live in a Western culture where the individual is king or now is God. Hellerman, when he was writing about what individualism looked like in in light of a church family, he writes, 
radical individualism is personal happiness and fulfillment is that personal happiness and fulfillment should take precedence over the connections we have with others. Let me read that again without stumbling over it. Personal happiness and fulfillment should take precedence over the connections we have with others. Do you see that today? It's, it's what we're fighting. It's, it's what we're seeing everywhere. I don't get my way, so I get angry. I don't get what I want, so I protest. You can't disagree with me because it hurts. That's all from radical individualism. See, we primarily judge things by what we can get out of them, how they benefit me. We decide things uh, uh, that we want to do of whether we're happy or comfortable doing them. Relationally, we run from painful relationships and situations, even though those might be redemptive relationships and situations. They might be the iron that will sharpen iron. But culturally, we're fighting a radical individualism that wants to run from those and say no. And, and really what we're talking about is our society is saying the individual is greater than the family. And in that blank in your notes, you're going to just put a little greater symbol. If you're not a math person, then put is greater. <laughs> the individual is greater than church family is the society we live in. Or any group for that matter. Any community. And the value system we're fighting is that the community exists to serve the individual for the good of the individual rather than what we're talking about with church family, that the individual exists to serve God's community and for the good of God's community. So that's what we're fighting against. And, and we, can, we can talk more about that. I'd love we talk a lot about that if we want. But I'd rather talk more today about the answer. See, God's answer is to call us brothers and sisters, to call us family, and to see that the family is to take priority over the individual. The family is to take priority over the individual pursuits. And so we come up with eight family values that I think are, are some of the ones that really affect church life, that really affect how we can come together. And uh, the, I had some fun with this. They're all L names. And so some of them may be a little weird. But, but they eventually get there. You'll see. The first one, though, it makes sense. A family, one of the characteristics of a healthy family is love for the family. Love for the family. Real, devoted, and authentic relationships. Families develop emotional bonds, right? It's why you like the hugs when your extended family gets together. It's why you love coming together at, at, at holidays and sharing stories. And There's just a warmth that comes from loving each other. There's a bond there. Church family develops real and authentic relationships as well. We should be developing bonds here. The, the bonds that say, I know you and I still am willing to like you. Bonds that say, I don't want to only see you for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. It'd be really neat if I saw you sometime else during the week because you're family. You know, I, I, Susie and I just celebrated our anniversary. And what would, what would our marriage be like if the only time I spoke to her or saw her was an hour and a half once a week? What was that? <laughs> it's her dream, right? 
No, no, that's not what we celebrated this week. We celebrated a bond and, and a mutuality and a love for each other. Village, we cannot develop this kind of family atmosphere in an hour and a half Sunday morning. It cannot happen. And so if we want to be a church family, if we want to say as family we go, then we've got to actually start loving each other in active ways, in ways that maybe involve some time outside of Sunday morning and outside of coffee time. Two aspects to love for family here. The first is a love for God, a love for the Father, right? That's what what brings us a common bond. That's why we're able to be family. A love for God and a love for each other. See, both of those are important. If we aren't loving God, if God isn't a priority, it makes it almost impossible to love each other because we don't have anything in common. We studied 2 Corinthians 6.14. It says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? So the foundation of us being able to love each other, even though we're 200 different people, is that we have the same dad, and he has made us heirs and sons and daughters of the king. And so we have the most important thing in common. It's why it can never work for a believer and an unbeliever to have a deep relationship. You may think it's deep, but if you can't share the most important thing in life, probably the believer isn't loving God. It's that important to have a healthy walk with God if we're to be family. But the New Testament is full of instructions to love our siblings too. And and we can't read all those. Um, I'll just read a couple. Turn, Turn with me to the first one. 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, there's the foundation, a walk with God, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. Do you see the connection there between loving, loving dad and loving each other? They're both commanded there. And our walk with God will overflow with a sincere brotherly love for each other because we've been born again. We're instructed to have real relationships with our spiritual siblings. Over and over. I already read 1 Thessalonians 4 where he says, make sure you're, you're showing brotherly love. You're doing great, but show it all the more. And the thing with loving church family that I think makes it hard is it requires a certain level of vulnerability, doesn't it? It requires a certain point of coming to a certain point of saying, I am willing to open up to you even if you hurt me or even if you might hurt me. Hurt ever happen in a family? Hey, you live with someone 24-7 and I would bet hurt happens a lot in a family. But we learn to overcome that. We learn to forgive and show grace. And it can't stop us from loving each other. From, from being sincere, from being vulnerable. I'm not going to stand here and say if we love each other as a church family and, and, and really dive into this this year and, and make family part of everything we do, that you're not going to be hurt. I would bet, and, and you know, just, just heads up, and you can sign off now if, if this isn't what you want. I would bet as we explore church family this year that you will be hurt. 
that you will be annoyed, that it will be hard at times. And so I'm asking you to go through the hardness of developing real relationships that are genuine. Because every person in this room is a sinner. Right? And if I expect you not to be a sinner to be in relationship with me, I'm a fool. So I'm calling you to be hurt this year. Thanks, right? But the love and relationship that comes out of that is amazing. It is amazing. Because ultimately, loving each other requires sacrificing self to be with each other for each other's needs. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. And we know that part, right? We know that God died on the cross for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for who? The brothers. Brothers, sisters. Ladies, you're not off the hook. He, he says, because God laid down His life for us, we should be willing to, to, to have that level of sacrifice for church family. Isn't that cool? When we do this, God does amazing things. You know, a, a couple of you were, were going to, to Burger King yesterday. I really don't like Burger King. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, if you love Burger King, praise God. <laughs> we, we are diverse and different. You know what? I, I got my family and we went to Burger King. For one reason. Whether I liked it or not didn't matter. Church family was there. And my brothers and sisters were there. And it was worth it to go spend a couple hours with them. That's what we're talking about of real relationships that sacrifice self. Not just Burger King, but that, that idea. Second one. We spent more time on that one. We'll, we'll move to the others. Second one, loyalty. Loyalty. There's a responsibility to the group. A healthy family is loyal to each other. We stand together. We stand up for each other. I know I can count on my family. They have my back. I know that if someone comes after me, Susie's there side by side with me and they better watch out. And she knows if someone attacks my wife, oh boy, it's on. It's my wife. That's the same kind of loyalty we should bring to church family. If I hear someone attacking John, he's my brother. I will stand with him. I will, I will protect him. I will, I will watch over him and say, no, that's not him. Stop it. <laughs> Do you see what loyalty means? Standing for each other. Romans 12.10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Sometimes that's translated, be devoted to one another. How we talk about each other shows this. How you talk about church family when you leave this place shows this. How loyal are we? James 4.11 says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. 
using brother language, family language again, to talk about how we speak to each other. Third aspect of a healthy family is care. Care. Or if you want an L word, looking out for one another. Yeah, we're stretching a little bit, but it's an L. A family has genuine, heartfelt care for each other in in all areas, spiritually, emotionally, physically, even when it's inconvenient. Care really is only care when we can put it into actions. I can say I care about you, but if I don't do anything with that, it's just words. You know, I, I watch so many great things happening that, that nobody, I mean, just behind the scenes at Village, when there are needs here, there are some of you that, that meet that need like that. That's care. That's what a family does. We take care of each other's needs. We share, share our stuff, our, our possessions. We sacrifice our own interests to put the interests of others first. Galatians 5.13 says, You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So there should be a care, a genuine care, a selfless and active care. We do that in our own families, hopefully. We should be doing that in church family. Four, lifting. Encourage and lift each other up. And some of you, one of you mentioned encouragement. A family encourages each other. We're commanded to in Scripture, um, not neglecting to meet together as the manner of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews 10.25. And, and this is something that, that I actually think we could do better at in our, in our own families, in our, church, in our nuclear families, and in our church family, right? And we, we are... <laughs> We, we battle our kids every day and we're like, okay, now say something encouraging about each other. No, don't say that. Say something. No, don't say that. Say, and it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because it, it feels like we're not making ground sometimes. But in a church family as well, are we encouraging each other, going out of the way to encourage each other? I love all the encouragement notes that, that people write to each other and the phone calls and the Facebook messages. We're to lift each other up. Fifth one there is longevity. Longevity. It's a commitment to a lasting relationship. See, people who stay in relationships grow. People who leave relationships when they get tough and go from relationship to relationship, their growth is hindered. This is a commitment to be there through thick and thin, a building of history together, a couple of you mentioned history, that we have stories together. The only way we can do that is if we're committed to long-term with each other. And, and, and this is something where with the diversity we have, some of you have stories that go back before I was born. And, and, and it is awesome. It is wonderful. Some of you are new to village in the village family. And so we're in the process of making stories. And I love it. And so we'll get involved in each other's lives and we'll make that history. We'll make the, those stories but it comes through a commitment to each other, longevity, um, building that history. Six, we need to move through the last couple, looniness. <laughs> looniness. L-O-O-N-I-N-E-S-S. I had to look it up. <laughs> it's an L word. 
Here's what I mean by it. Family should enjoy each other. We should be able to be a little crazy with each other, have some fun with each other. It's okay to watch a football game together and scream and jump up and down. We, we were, I, I showed my boys um, Hoosiers for the first time last week. For any of you that like basketball and, and they're playing basketball and they had never seen it. And, and we get to the end of the movie and they are jumping up and down on the couch, cheering, waking the rest of the family up. <laughs> That's awesome. It's okay to be a little crazy with each other, to be a little loony with each other. The other side of that is families put up with loony people. Because every family has a loony person in it. A weird Uncle Joe. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, Uncle George. <laughs> and, and, and if you're thinking your family doesn't have any weird people in it, <laughs> isn't that what brings fun to family, though? It, it brings life to family. Guess what? It brings life to church family. Some of us are really weird. Some of us are a little loony. But I love that a lot of us like to have fun together. and like to enjoy each other's company. That's what families do. Seven, forgiving. If you want an L word, letting go of the grudges. Letting go of the grudges. A healthy family practices forgiveness diligently, Daily, hourly, minute by minute, we show grace to one another. Because like we already talked about, we're messy, sinful people. And praise God that I have a a family that will stick with me through that and love me and help me grow and become more Christ-like. And I praise God I have a church family that will stick with me through that. Even when I call Joe weird. (laughs) And will love me and put up with my failures, and put up with my weaknesses. Every one of you in this body has that here. We're to forgive each other, be a people of grace. When Peter came to Jesus in Matthew 18, he said, Lord, how often will my brother, see the family language again, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven? Jesus goes on to say, "Ah, let's adjust your thinking. Let's get rid of the seven and let's go with 70 times seven, meaning as many times as it takes. Last one, adopting. We should long to add to the family. Long to add to the family. And I've talked about this before, but we should always be looking for ways to adopt more into the family. And I have this one last because this is, this is my heart for how we put this into practice. Are we looking and actively seeking out people that are here to include them in the church family? To make sure they're part of church family. Because that's what Jesus did for us. He adopted you and He adopted me when we were sinners. When we didn't deserve it. And He went out and sought us and drew us to Himself knowing our sin, knowing that He paid for it on the cross, and experience the pain and punishment from that, knowing that I will continue to sin and let him down, and he sought me out and adopted me and calls me his son. If he did that for me, can I do that in a little way with someone else that walks in the door? With someone else 
that maybe doesn't know what's going on at Village or doesn't know anyone? Are we looking to adopt, to expand the table, to expand the circle? Second question I wanted to ask, that, that, that's what a family looks like. The core of what I wanted to talk about this morning. But the application of that I want to leave you with, how do we bring this into everything we do here? How do we bring this into everything we do here? How do we make it as family we go? Simple, but yet incredibly hard. The simple answer is we need to change our mindset to think of church family first instead of stealth. Change our mindset to think of church family first instead of self. To be others focused. The family over the individual. Instead of asking, how does this help me when we come to anything? How does this help the church family? How does this help community? It's putting Philippians 2, 3, and 4 into practice. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. One of the more annoying verses in Scripture. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That applies to church family. And, and so what I'm talking about is as we come, as we gather, am I intentionally making every decision in light of church family or am I making decisions in light of me? And, and when we start to change this mindset, it's a simple thing, but it's radical. What if every decision we made on a Sunday morning had to do with how we could serve church family? Would that change where we part? Would that change what time we get here? Would that change who I talk to? Who I notice? Mark Dever has a list of some of those things that, that I think he, he just did marvel. He mentioned those. He, he mentioned a couple of other things. Um, where do you sit? Who do you speak to? And his encouragement is that each one of these decisions provide you with an opportunity to be others-focused or self-focused. And and so let me just sort of walk through a day. And and I want to leave you with this just to get us thinking, how can we say every one of our core values should include the idea of family, of church family? You come, and as you drive in, or as you're driving here, is your mindset, oh man, I I hope it's a good day. I, I hope the pastor is pretty funny today. I hope he tells some good stories. I just hope I don't fall asleep. Or is your mindset, who can I minister to today? Lord, give me someone that just needs a hug today. Or if you're not a hugger, that needs someone to talk to. When we get here, am I going to get here late so I I can see as few people as possible and leave as quickly as possible? Or am I going to get here early to see my family? See, families love getting together. We anticipate getting together. Now, I know some of our extended family activities, we do get there late for this reason. (laughs) To talk to as few people as possible. Not church family. So we've encouraged you to get here at 9.20. Be family. If you want to be really radical, get here at 8.30 and have a cup of coffee and talk with people out in the breezeway. You walk in and someone's sitting in your seat. And you have an opportunity to say, am I going to be others-focused or am I going to be individual-focused? 
I, I've heard pastors tell us stories uh, of people in their church who have walked up to a visitor sitting in their seat and said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to move. You're in my seat. And they moved and never came back. Or we could look at someone in our seat and say, praise God, there's, there's, there's a new opportunity here, a new member of the family. It's a mindset. And so when I say it's simple, it's just a change of mindset, but that change of mindset affects everything. When I come to the service, do I evaluate the service based on what I like? I liked songs one and five. I really didn't like two, three, and four. Those just didn't speak to me. Or do I look around and say, oh, wow, they're speaking to someone else. That's really cool. I, I can remember John Nelson. And, and, and John and I, would, would spend a, we spent a lot of time together talking. And I'd ask him, hey, hey what, do you, what did you think of this? Song? I was leading worship back then. What did you think of that song? And he'd say, you know, I didn't really care for that. But I saw a lot of people worshiping to that, so I think you should keep doing it. Man, that man knew how to love people and to be church family. We come to greet time. And we have, again, we have a choice. We have a decision. I wonder how many people are going to greet me today. Sort of like counting likes on Facebook. Or is it, how many people can I go greet and minister to them? You're on your way to Sunday school. It's a mindset that says, I wonder if there's anyone that looks a little lost that I can grab and say, hey, come, come with me to class. Terry's class is great. We're studying Psalms. You'll love it. Come, come sit. Afterwards, we're in the gym and you're walking through the gym with your head down, you're thinking, Taco Bell or Soup Plantation, Taco Bell or Soup Plantation, Taco Bell or Soup Plantation. <laughs> or are you looking around saying, I wonder if there's someone that, that I could take to lunch today. Or we can meet at lunch today. It's, it, it's a family mindset versus an individual mindset. We need to end. As family, we go. When we do outreach together, think family. How can we do this together as a family? Things like Living Nativity and Second Harvest don't happen with one person. It's family. When we think of community, and there's going to be some opportunities this year. We're bringing back family game nights once the gym is done. and We're going to be doing some dinner groups and some other things. Will you be willing to join because church family is important. And invest in other people's lives, even if it doesn't sound interesting to you. Spiritual growth. Are we willing to share how we're doing spiritually with someone else? You know, we have the rooted reading. I would encourage you to find two or three other people and say, hey, let's do rooted together. Let, 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 and not, not that you have to get together and do it, but it's sort of like the, the steps thing where you can add your friends in and they can see how many steps you, you've done. That kind of accountability. Hey, did you do your reading today? Text each other and, and grab two or three people and, and let's, let's encourage each other to be people of the Word. Be part of a community group. Those are fantastic ways to get to know people and pray for each other and study. It's bringing church family 
into our core values. And ministry the same thing. As a pastor at Elder Board, our heart is for us to be a church family. And as we are, to do all of the things together that God wants us to do. And it is incredible when we do that. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray for this year. I pray that you would do amazing things with our relationships. That you would get us to invest in each other, to love each other, to care for each other, and not just the people that we like. But Lord, help us to to really start to think of every decision we make and think, how can I be the family that God has bought me to be? That you gave your life to make me part of. Lord, help us to love each other. To enjoy each other. To be loyal to each other. Make us your family. And Lord, we're excited to see how you use that in an individualistic world. We love you, God, as our Father. In Jesus' name, amen.